0: My name is David King, um, I'm 10 years old, I'm in fifth grade,
1: and I'm really excited to be here today.
2: <laughs> well, we're excited okay. to meet you. Good morning. Please proceed. Um,
1: hi, I'm Stacy Dean, and I work at the United States Department of Agriculture, and I oversee all of the food and nutrition programs, including school meals, school lunch, and school breakfast, so I can't wait to hear what you think about that.
2: Um, it's great to meet you. I'm Admiral Rachel Levine, and I work at the Department of Health and Human Services. And I'm an admiral of the United States Public Health Service Commission Corps, uh, which is, you know, five to six thousand public health professionals, and that's what the uniform is. I'm also a pediatrician, and so I, in my career, have seen lots of children and teenagers and taking care of them, and it's just great to meet you and to hear about your nutrition program. Good
3: morning, everybody. Welcome to Watkins. I'm M. Scott Berkowitz, proud principal here at Watkins. Welcome. You guys are going to learn a lot about what we do uh, through the Food Friends program, mostly through our kids, about how we garden, how we cook the food, eat the food, and stay healthy. So thanks for coming and giving us a chance to show off great to our great stuff. What a wonderful you, program. program. Yeah.
4: Um, before, so you guys are going to be making crackers once you get up to Food Prints today, and you're going to be making collard greens. So.
5: Are the I ones who get
4: to right. harvest the collars from the garden, but maybe but maybe you can show that we can do it together with your visitors. Um, but I don't know if you guys, how, how long have you been in the cluster that you got to be in Food How many, how long? Um, I've been
6: here for I'll say four years because for third for fourth grade, I went to the virtual academy. Okay,
0: I have been here for four years. I have I remember back in 2nd and 3rd grade didn't really do shoot prints due to the pandemic yeah. yes. but shoot prints is awesome. Um, I've been here 3 years mm-hmm. uh, doing food print prints every year every print print right. and then I've also been in the cluster I've also been at Peabody for three years doing food prints there too. So
4: you've been nice. doing it a long very time, very experienced.
0: Okay. Um, okay. I've been here for five years. Um, I'm going to agree with Noah um, in like second and third grade. Due to the pandemic, we weren't doing food prints anymore. Um, but we were still learning about nutrition and foods. Great. Mm-hmm. I've
7: been here for three years. Um, due to the p- pandemic, um, in third grade, we did virtual food prints, and, and we still got to learn about a lot of healthy things. And it was
8: still a lot of fun. And what do you guys
4: want to tell them about your experience?
8: Like does, what, what has been interesting about it, what have you learned, what do you like or not like? Um,
0: I've learned a lot in food prints. Um, I already know how to cook, but it, it's just, um, it had many great experiences. I learned um, about hygiene and um, foods, and how to sustain a healthy diet and stuff like that. And those are just great things to know for when you get older. Um, I've learned also some about nutrition, but also how other families eat. It's not just that we everybody eats what we. Eat but everybody eats something different. Hmm. I agree with Zeev. There have been many different and unique recipes and I've taken many of them home and they are a part of my family's like annual, like what we eat. So like once a week, we had a chickpea recipe last year and every Sunday for lunch, my mom makes it, so. That's great. Nice. The thing I love most about Food Friends is when we go up and
6: cook, and like no one's do, when we get the recipe, so I can take it home. It's something healthy I can eat, something I can make all the time, mainly because they're teaching us how to cook too. So I can feed myself and eat. Um, some great
7: experiences that I have with fruit prints is how sometimes uh, when we get the chance to and when it's not too cold outside, we get to come down. And like if it's warm enough we, uh, and the strawberries are still ready, then we'll be able to go pick strawberries and I'd love to take them home to my brother and he'll be uh, hugging me and he'll be thanking me. Oh, so great.
2: <laughs> well, t- tell us about uh, some of your favorite recipes that you've learned here in Food Prints. What would be one or two of your favorite things that you get to eat uh, that you've learned here? Oh,
0: oh, um, um, one uh, recipe that I really enjoyed, I got it a few years ago, was um, a wonderful curry, uh, curry recipe, and it yes. it involved um, all sorts of vegetables, and it kind of had a blend of different cultures, which was really nice. And um, it was healthy, and it was delicious, and that's why I really liked that. Um, that recipe. thank you. Um, I think my favorite recipe is a recipe I got this year: um, a carrot salad, oh. and I came home and my, and made it for my family and they love it. That's great. Honestly, when it comes to food prints, there's no real recipes you can call your favorite because they're all just delicious. (laughs) But one that really stood out to me was, I think, last year, or maybe at the beginning of second grade, we made quesadillas, and those are delicious. I was here in second grade, so I totally agree
6: with quesadillas, especially since I was able to come back out to school and get some more. My favorite (laughs) recipe has got to be the ABC salad and yeah. the fried rice I made once there. That was too good. I was, was about to so get thirds. <laughs> My favorite recipes
7: were the ABC salad. Mm-hmm. And I also loved um, one of the most recent ones when we made, I can't remember the exact name, but I think it was black bean and sweet potato soup. That was really good because it was like really spicy and I love um, spicy food. Oh, that's the great. chili? Yeah, that was really good. Oh, that's, that's
1: great. That all sounds amazing. So it sounds like you guys are willing uh, to try lots of different foods. So uh, t- what when you see something you're a little uncertain about, what do you tell yourself?
0: Um, usually when I see something maybe on my plate that um, I really don't know about, like, that I, I don't know what it is, I don't know what it'll taste like. Um, I, I am usually a very open person with um, my... Food selection. I'm not picky, so I'll, I'll eat it. And if I don't like it, I won't eat it again. <laughs> if I do like it, I'll probably ask for some more. There you That's go. Great. Um, I agree with David. I'm a pretty open eater, not really uh, picky, so if I see food, I usually eat it. And especially in food prints, I usually like it.
1: Nice.
0: I agree with Zee and David. And if there's anything on my plate that I am unsure of, I asked what it is. I taste it, and then if I don't like it, well I finish my serving, and then I don't have to get it again. Mm, if I taste something that I'm not sure that I would like, I
6: usually put it to the side, but if it is something that looks really, really good, and I know it smells good, and it looks good mainly, I'll try it. There you go. Right. I am a very, very
7: picky eater actually, right. but when it comes to food print, like, I am a very picky eater, but I'm also like a risk taker, so I'll eat something, even though I'm sort of uncertain about it, so I'll eat it, and then once I eat it, like, there's not been one dish from food prints that I have not liked, so, yeah. That's great.
2: Wonderful. So, and um,
7: there,
1: they we are picking up from the stem, right? I'm sorry. No, yep, um, yep, go for it. Show me what you're going to get. From the stem? Uh-huh. Okay. And how much are we supposed to cut? See,
0: hmm? yeah? Oh, um, I, I think we could
1: try just like a little bit. Okay. okay. <laughs> and you go from and the outside, right? Not the inside. Um, uh-huh. those are the babies. the babies. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. You got it? Over here. Yep. Excellent.
9: All
1: right. Yeah. Can I get the next one? Sure. All right.
0: Absolutely.
1: What do you make with this normally
10: um at home
0: yeah. oh yeah um usually um my mom can use this for touch-ups on um like different foods we can also use it for salads or dressing mm-hmm. and stuff like that yeah,
1: maybe do all right you get it you finish up okay it's more it's fun it. here i'll tell you what i'll hold yours oh, thank you you're good and you can get in there here.
0: Should I go
1: to the copy uh, whatever you want. You know what? Just ignore these guys if you do what oh, your uh, yeah, yeah, you no, think no, the food prints team wants you to do. Yeah. That's probably enough, right? Yeah. <laughs> because we gotta save yeah. some for the next yeah. group. Yeah. Alright, nice. I'm gonna try I here we can sneak yeah. the oh, the over. <laughs> 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 I don't have no an <laughs> <that we're laughs> out oh. oh, When it's, it's, it's nice.
3: fresh, it's really nice. With DCPS,
11: and actually I work closely with Lizette. and with her all here meet you. I'm
4: gonna, well, Go. wait, I'm going to skip you because you're going to lead this, so you, <laughs> you want to you <laughs> you teach you yourself. <laughs> uh, Joanne Jolly,
8: I'm with the <laughs> D.C. Department of Health, overseeing <laughs> for the U.S.D. program for the, <laughs> staff and the Food program, and most recently the L.S.P.A. award.
4: Great. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> <No>. This <laughs> man's a legend you, in you, D.C. I'm director of Fresh Farm. Very nice to see you again. Nice Very to nice, to you. You nice to meet
8: you all. all.
3: And then now, Rob. Hi. Good morning. (laughs) Okay, I got my cue. Good morning. I'm Rob Jaber. I am the uh, Deputy Chief of Food and Nutrition Services for DCPS, and also doubling as the Executive uh, Director of Food and Nutrition. Um, I work closely with Lizette Robin. Jen, Beth, Hugo, everybody. This is a very communal uh, community, for lack of a better phrase, and um, just very excited to be here this morning. Very nice, nice to meet you. Nice very nice to meet, to meet you. Well. We are, just uh, for a brief overview, we have Sodexo Magic oversees this cafeteria. Staff here is tried and true. At, at one point, we had a match in this building. I'm sure Den's going to tell you a little bit about it, where we were able to match the food in the cafeteria, the, the lessons and food prints, um, and it was it was wonderful. Uh, you know, we've had some time. COVID emerging, we're coming back to uh, a more stable environment, and uh, it's nice to see everybody here today and be able to go back into the park. So I want to I want to I want to preview the cafeteria staff. I love our cafeteria staff. I I, I talk to them every day. They feed me almost every day, and they are joyful, fun, and like great chefs. So I'm really glad that you were making time for them because staffs can cafeteria staffs can get overlooked. They do not deserve that. They deserve to be celebrated and they are fabulous. All right.
1: So, you know, I work at USDA down mm-hmm. on the mall, on the okay. big national program. And I know some, even though we're really close, we can seem really far away mm-hmm. from school breakfast and school lunch. But I want to make sure you know mm-hmm. that um, we see you. And uh, that's a wonderful you thing. You show up, you feed our kids, oh, okay. healthy, yes. nutritious food. Yes. You make sure that they're ready to learn. And you, um, you're here every day for them. Yeah. Yeah. And, for uh, you know, a lot of people don't always, when you work in government, we spend a lot of That's time right. singing the praises of folks who aren't always um, seen and understood, but our kids wouldn't be where they are without mm-hmm. the work that you do. And that is so true. You were yes. frontline workers during the pandemic, uh, mm-hmm. right? preparing yes. those meals. And, able, and I just really want to, as a mom, but also as someone from you US I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Perfect. It's extraordinary. Yeah. Oh, I you really. so much for that. Exitator. Yes.
2: So I can't top that, but we we'll also <laughs> want to add my thanks. So I'm at the Department of Health and Human Services. Oh, okay. Um, and nutritious food is so important for health. Um, and, you know, we can tell that you put your love and your care mm-hmm. into the food that you're serving our children and the, and the great staff at the school. So we want to thank you for that. And, that. and yeah. uh, really appreciate the, the work that you do day in and day out uh, to feed good, nutritious food to our kids. So thank you very much.
3: Like you, you don't know them, but you, you sound like you do. Like every kid that comes through this line gets love, gets joy, yes. gets they greeted. Them. They know their they they names. Them. They are fabulous. Yes. so. They deserve all your praise, Absolutely. all of everyone's yes. praise, and I want to thank you guys. Yes. You know, and you can see, what you're serving butt. today,
2: <laughs> you're hitting all of the different food groups, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. On, yes. you know, in terms of our nutrition. Yes. So, in terms of the uh, of the uh, United States um, uh, nutrition a- action plans and things, we work on this together. Yeah. USDA and Health and Human Services are our partners, mm-hmm. um, and you can see vegetables. Um, you know peas and carrots. You can see some uh, Mediterranean flatbread. I'm looking forward to that. You can see hey, some Yeah, we're gonna come yeah, back. Nice. You can see um, shepherds pie mm. and then we have celery uh, Radishes leafy greens some cranberries fruits yeah, vegetables
10: oh, see, starving, Everything so. is here oh, yeah. Everything yeah. is here
2: yeah. lentils yeah. raisins avocados, mm-hmm. you know every mm-hmm. food group everything we talk about Day in and day about nutritious food is right here at your table. Okay. Looking forward yeah. to seeing y'all. All right. Y'all Everyone get up for our team. Yeah.
3: yeah. You got it out.
12: Got it all ground up. Could you imagine having to do this to make your own bread? Yeah. You could?
1: Imagine if you had to do it grinding it with a rock. I yeah. guess. <laughs> <the> Thank you. <laughs> like not even one pancake. You better keep going. <laughs> I feel this one. This is like really smooth. Like Yeah. Like, uh, and then this one has just a little bit more
10: texture. It's all
1: the good stuff, right? I um, do. Uh, well, I think you all uh, are learning in this class, and in like with the food prints program that um, good food nutritious food is really important to good health and we're sort of the uh, we're the good food good health team that's right at the federal government <laughs> so my name is Stacy Dean and I work at the Department of Agriculture and I oversee all of our federal feeding programs uh, which include school breakfast and school lunch and a lot of things like this nutrition education in the classroom and it's really exciting to be here. And to uh, learn from you all, but also to talk about uh, how good, good food, good nutrition, and uh, good knowledge, right, supports good health. Admiral.
2: Thank you so much. I love that. We're the good food, good health. So I, I think we have found our our, our 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 mission here. Uh, so I'm Rachel Levine, uh, and I'm at the Department of Health and Human Services. I'm also a pediatrician. So just like the pediatricians that you might see, you know, at your doctor's office to do checkups and things like that, that's what I've done for much of my career. But I have the opportunity now to work here in Washington, and um, and really to to try to um, to, to teach kids and really uh, push uh, the importance of really good nutrition which is exactly what you're learning here uh, in this program which is great uh, and you're, the importance of good nutrition for you to be healthy and to grow up strong and healthy and uh, that's what we're trying to educate people about what we spent a lot both of our time uh, doing with a lot of our staff so great job to, to, to the program and to the teachers and the school and most importantly great job that you guys are doing thanks
9: We are going to go ahead and start our meal together. So, we're gonna start. there are two things that we're going to be ahead. making today. We are actually going to be making homemade crackers with some of the uh, whole wheat flour that we just ground, as well as some collard greens and brown onions. So, a few of our friends went down to the garden um, earlier during the class and harvested some beautiful collards that were growing in our garden all winter. And so we're going to have two tables that are uh, going to be chopping some collards for us, um, and you guys will also help with cooking them on the stove with the onions. And then two of the tables will be making our crackers. All right. So uh, let's
13: welcome to the LA High Network. I'm your host Hazel. I'm your host Grace. And joining us as a special guest is Miss Perkins.
12: Yeah, nice to meet you. All nice to
13: meet you. you're So Miss Perkins, how long have you been working here? I've been
14: here for four years, but before that I was at high school, actually at Eastern near your building. I was there for four years as well.
13: Um, How was it like teaching in this unique area?
14: Oh, I love it! I love it, and I especially love this program that they have at the school. I'm an art teacher, but and so my classroom is right over there. But I get to like participate with my students whenever they have food prints, and I love eating the great food that's in this program. <laughs> um, what do you think the benefits um, the students are learning from your class? In this particular class, it's so many benefits. They're learning about the part of growing, the process of growing, gardening. Um, from the garden, how food comes from the garden to the table. Um, they get to learn cooking skills, knife handling skills. they use plastic knives, of course. <laughs> and um, just how to create a meal like they, these are like these are like tasks that you need to learn and they're learning it at this age in school. So it's, it's wonderful. I love this program. All
13: right that's great. I, I was just wondering how you dealt with like bug problems or if you know, uh, well, I think sometimes it has fruit, they have fruit flies in here because,
14: you know, they are usually on fresh produce, but that's pretty much it. And I love, I grew up with around insects, I used to go to the insect zoo at the Natural History Museum, so I'm not afraid of bugs. <laughs>
7: She, and she came here, but it was,
12: yeah, no, no.
8: like, you guys were one one and whole wheat flour. And we know whole wheat
12: flour is exactly the kind of thing that you guys were just grinding, right? It's like kind of tan. Okay, what else do we need?
10: One-third
7: cup
10: of Sesame? Sesame Okay. One
7: half teaspoon of salt. Good. One half
9: teaspoon of yeah. baking powder. Okay.
7: One half cup extra virgin olive oil.
6: Olive oil. What? Wait, virgin, virgin olive oil, yeah. I love the virgin. One half cup
0: of water.
8: And then this says coarse salt for sprinkling,
12: which we can sprinkle on top of our crackers, okay? So, the first thing that we need to do is we're going to combine.
10: We're gonna
12: take our wings.
7: We're gonna roll, them. and then we're gonna saw back and forth. i
9: keep that Back and forth. Back and forth. Back and forth. You try. Let me see. Yep. Did you see me? You want me to do it again? No, I You're gonna roll it. You're gonna roll it. Yep. Everybody, take one and roll it. All right. And then you saw back and forth. Yep. Roll it really tight. Like that. Back and forth. Back and forth.
3: Good job!
9: Oh, excellent job! Great
15: job! Oh yeah! Yeah! Back and forth. Oh, thank you. I like that. You can just set it to the side.
10: Mrs. Sasha do you already have a bowl for your colorings yeah. that are Thank you.
13: How long have you been like doing this class? <laughs> but um, I've been here for five years. Um in
0: second and um, third grade because of the pandemic. We didn't do it in person, but we still learned about um, hygiene and how to sustain
13: a good diet online. Um, how would you rate like the school lunches here? Um, I'd say they're pretty good. They're, um, they are good. They're what um, like I as a fifth grader would want to eat and they're also healthy.
0: Um, so yeah, I'd rate them maybe uh, 9 out
13: of 10. Yeah. Um, I think it's really great to be learning this at like such a young age because it'll really prepare them for life. Yeah. Because a lot of things that schools do is they say that they prepare you but it's stuff that you don't really use. But this is definitely a skill that's needed a lot. Yeah. Like every day. Yeah. I've
8: never used calculus or I don't even know how often you use fractions but you
13: definitely use cooking.
8: Yeah. That's yeah. true. Not to say that math is not important. Yeah. It is, but...
13: Welcome to the LA High Network. I'm your host Hazel. I'm your host Grace. And joining us as a special guest on the show is Robin Douglas Scholar. Thank you for joining us.
11: Thank you for having me. <laughs> so much Scholar. How many times have you done so uh, An event like this, just this year, we've had four. Just this year. Yeah, we hosted um, the USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack. So um, and we've had a couple of other guests come through, so we're very excited to have Admiral Levine here today and Secretary Dean.
13: Um, how do the students usually react to these type of events? Um, you know, the younger students are a little bit
11: shy, but they warm up after some time. Once, they, once the adults start digging in with them and harvesting, I think the, the fifth graders, they're definitely the most lively of the bunch.
7: What would you say is your favorite part of this event?
11: Oh, uh, I think the cooking for me. Watching everybody prep the food, cook it, and then eat it. That's the the best part for me. I think it's it's so engaging and it helps everybody see the process from the beginning to the end.
13: Alright, welcome to the Elliott Hine Network. I'm your host, Hazel. I'm your host, Grace. Joining us today is Admiral Rachel Levine and Stacey Dean. We are broadcasting live from Watkins Elementary School. All right, so Stacey, um, how did your time at CBPP prepare you for your current position at USDA?
1: Well, when I was there, I did a lot of research and I did a lot of advocacy, and uh, that's a big part of what we do at USDA. We write to advocate for all the people who use our programs, and we want to make sure it's based on solid evidence. So. Uh, uh, I think it was a great preparation for this job.
7: So, Admiral Levine, what is your main purpose being in this role for the HHS?
2: Well, so I have a number of different priorities, um, but, but, but we have a, a vision for healthy people, healthy communities, and a healthy nation for all, which emphasizes uh, what we call health equity, that everybody deserves good health. And so we need to work um, throughout the country to make sure everybody has access. For example, about what we were talking about today, which is good nutritious food.
13: Um, Ms. Dean, what are some common causes of malnutrition, and does USDA's Food and Nutrition Service focus on reducing them, or do other organizations?
1: Well, um, thanks. It's a great question. Uh, we're really fortunate that because we have such a strong nutrition safety net, and um, we talked about some of that today, programs that uh, serve uh, babies from birth uh, through childhood and beyond, uh, malnutrition is something we don't see very much of in this country today, which was not true uh, just a few short decades ago. But the difference is since then. We have created strong federal nutrition programs like um, school meals, WIC, we talked about, uh, and then also a household program that helps family buy groceries called SNAP. But we also have health insurance, which is another really critical difference in why we don't see some malnutrition is those parents can bring their children to the doctor and get help uh, on the health care side. So that powerful uh, safety net. Uh, has really um, made a big difference in uh, children experiencing that uh, and, and all, all, uh, uh, all people experiencing that terrible condition.
7: So I'm Marlowe Levine. Um, before you in this big role, what inspired or motivated you to try and join HSS Blake before you were here?
2: Sure. So um, I'm a pediatrician. And so I worked as a pediatrician um, at the Penn State College of Medicine uh, r- right up to two and a half hours from here in Hershey, Pennsylvania, um, seeing children and adolescents with a number of different medical conditions. Then I had the opportunity to become um, the Secretary of Health of Pennsylvania, so run Pennsylvania's Health Department. And then when President Biden was um, was elected, uh, I had the honor that they nominated me for this position. So it was similar to the position I had in Pennsylvania, uh, but I have to broaden my my perspective to look at the whole country. All right,
13: um, this is my last question for you, Ms. Dean. What made you choose this career
1: path?
2: Well, that's a great question. You know,
1: uh, my mom was a school social worker, and uh, she loved her job uh, working in schools and working with kids. And she taught me that uh, basically a life where you're working on behalf of others or you're part of an organization like a school that's serving others is really fulfilling. And so uh, that's why I love my work, is I feel like I'm a part of something bigger. And my last question for sure. you, Admiral,
7: if you could change one thing in the HHS, what
2: would you change? I would change one thing at HHS. Um, I would. Um, hope that we would get more money from Congress. Um, So, you know, we put forward um, a budget. Uh, The Biden administration puts forward a budget in the spring. It was just released a week or so ago. Um, And we spent months and months and months preparing that budget at HHS. Um, But, um, you know, as evidenced from last year, we did not get all that funding. Most, many of the programs that that we asked for an increase of funding, uh, we're we're not given an increase, um, and so uh, so we can't do all the things that we want to do. So if I would change one thing, uh, I think we need uh, more money from Congress to be able to help people um, with all the different programs that we have.
13: All right. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. you. Wow,
2: thank you. Great. great job. <laughs> thank you so much. You all did a great job.
16: Uh, My name is Adam Sarvina. I'm Admiral Levine's Communications Director at the Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, Along with the U.S. Department of Agriculture, we set up today's visit, which included some time that we just spent in the Fresh Farm Food Prints Program. So we really want to thank them for their hospitality and for their interest and for letting us see what they do. Uh, We just spent some time downstairs in the garden, so we really want to thank everyone else involved in the visit. Obviously, Watkins Elementary, DCPS, Aussie, and everyone else who really made this possible. Uh, There are too many of you to think by name. so. In the interest of time, I'm just going to get us moving. Um, We're going to hear from Admiral Levine and from Stacey Dean at the US Department of Agriculture just a little bit about what they both do, what they both uh, focus on and their roles in the federal government. And then we're going to pretty much open it up for open conversation. We're going to hear from parents and students first, just to hear their perspectives. And then they're going to sort of lead into an open discussion about how we can be more helpful. So Admiral Levine. Please
2: take it away. Sure, and thank you, Adam. So I um, am Adam Rachel Levine, and I am the Assistant Secretary for Health at the Department of Health and Human Services. And I'm so pleased uh, to join my friend and colleague, Stacey Dean here from USDA, to, uh, to come to Watkins uh, Elementary School and to hear about the Fresh From Food Prints Program. So we have seen this literally farm to table today. We have, we've been with the kids, and they, ha- they have grown collard greens, and then we, they pick them, uh, and then we went to the, to, to the little the teaching kitchen they have, and they washed them, and prepared them, and cut them. Um, and now they're gonna be making uh, their lunch, which was just a fantastic program. You know, nutrition is absolutely so important to health. Uh, and it is one of um, our priorities at OASH, and one of the priorities for Secretary Becerra. We're very pleased to work with USDA um, on the White House Conference on Hunger, Nutrition, and Health. That was. Uh, that was held last September and uh, helped to work to develop the national strategy on hunger nutrition and health. Um, USDA has coined a great term, and I'll give you full credit for (laughs) it, Um, but it's not just food security, it's actually nutritional security. We need to have access uh, throughout the country in urban areas, suburban areas, and rural areas to healthy, nutritious food, and the, the program here demonstrates that. Um, so, we are very pleased to work in partnership with USDA on these type of programs. Uh, and it's great to be here today to, uh, to, to hear from everyone at the, at the panel. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Admiral. Um, yeah, I'm Stacey Dean. I'm the Deputy Undersecretary for Food, Nutrition, and Consumer Services at USDA, which basically means I oversee our uh, 15 federal nutrition programs. And you may not know this, but March, is uh, National Nutrition Month, and that's why we're so pleased to be here to celebrate um, all aspects of good nutrition uh, uh, in terms of the food that we eat, the knowledge that we need to have, uh, and of course the deep connection between uh, good nutrition and good health. Um, you know, our country's future is our children, and we need to set them up for success, a healthy future, uh, starting out right with um, uh, good nutrition, healthy eating. I think we saw that here uh, this morning, and you guys have all the pieces of this, access to healthy food, knowledge about why it's important, and uh, knowledge about how to prepare it in tasty and delicious ways. Um, We, uh, at USDA, you know, we serve one in four Americans with our federal nutrition programs, and so that means we just have a really powerful platform both to help address um, hunger and food insecurity as well as improve health through stronger better nutrition Uh, and I have an unbelievable partner in Ravine. every time I say hey I was wondering if I could talk to you about the WIC program she uh, before I can even say WIC she's like WIC is really important let me tell you about what it was like when I was uh, in practice or if we say can we talk to you about the nutrition standards in school I can't even get it out and she talks to me about how important it is so this collaboration is incredibly important but also our collaboration with all of you hearing from stakeholders about what you see as successes what we need to do more of where there are issues we aren't yet dealing with um, is also important, and that's why I'm so glad that we're here today, Um,
16: so. Certainly. So uh, we really wanna hear first from the, the PTA parents and the students about their experience. Just tell us a little more about why it is so important. And for all of us to hear why it is so important that we focus on nutrition, we focus on ending hunger. Why are these issues meaningful? Why are they worth so much time and energy if you could just kind of share your perspective with everyone, that's the best way. I think we can all get started today. So please, any parents first, and then we really want to hear from the students as well.
12: Hi, I'm Katie Thomas. I am on the PTA here at Watkins. I have three children in the building, a first grader, a third grader, and a fifth grader. Um, so I get to spend lots of volunteer hours in the food print kitchen um, watching the students and in the garden watching the students um, experience a level of pride in work that they have put in into the garden, and then taking those um, harvested vegetables and bringing them up and turning it into a meal that they would not otherwise touch. For example, I've heard this as a cliche about food prints, but I didn't really get to experience it until this year with my first grader, who went to the garden and harvested some, some kale, came up to the kitchen, and made colorful kale salad, which is one of the food prints recipes. I was in the kitchen volunteering that day, and he said, mom, can you make this at home? And this child has never put a piece of kale in his mouth despite having many opportunities to do that. And so I, as a parent, knowing that the kids get to have that experiential learning, that hands-on learning. It's one thing to say kale is good for you. It's one thing to say we need to make healthy choices. Here's a plate of kale. It's another thing to give them that hands-on experience, to get their fingers dirty, to put dirt worms in their hands and then know that they get to turn it into something delicious that is healthy for them. They might not always recognize that. I know my first grader doesn't, but um, that is one of just the most paramount benefits of having food prints at Watkins. I think it should be in every school, throughout the district, throughout the country. It should be, this should be the minimum. This shouldn't be, you know, um, as a parent, that's that's what I believe in. So I'm so grateful to be at a school with this program wouldn't otherwise have.
5: Any other parents, please? Well, I am coding. Um, I can just piggyback on of what you said. Um, I have a student that's in second grade at Burroughs, started at Burroughs and pre three. and he was a that school is a part of Footprint. And I will have to agree with you. Um it's it's easy at home to just say, Oh, this is a healthy option, you know, but it's different when they're around their peers and learning and creating healthy habits. Um healthy habits they'll take with them forever. You know, it's, it's hard to break a habit as an adult, but creating a healthy habit as a child is very beneficial. And I, I am very happy that Foodprints is at Burroughs and I would have to agree that it should be at every school, every school, yeah. All
16: Right, students, please let us know.
0: Um, I think I'm gonna agree with many people here it is very important to um, start learning how to cook, how to um, eat healthy food, how to make a good experience out out of it Um, at a young age, then you develop um, a good (coughs) habit and um, those good habits stick with you. And it's good later on in life to know how to, those things and have those experiences um, even when you don't have somebody to help you with it. I will agree with <coughs> Ms. Thomas and David. Food is a very essential part of our lives and if you're eating the wrong types of food that are not healthy they can hurt your body and food prints is really helping many people to learn that Oh, I have, I have to choose a snack. Should I choose some carrots or should I choose a bag of chips? Well, most kids, unfortunately, will choose the bag of chips. But in food prints, they're teaching us to choose the carrots because they help our body. They're good for our eyes and they're a good choice for us. So I agree that food prints should be in every school and it is very important.
2: I don't think anybody could say it better than this. So I think we're done. I mean, you guys did a great job, both of you. They put a lot of thought into it. Sure.
16: All right, I'm just making sure we're on time and we are good. Um, So if you could all just kind of respond as a group, anyone steps up, please let us know how you feel. Right now, what is working? What is working well? What is actually getting people the healthy food they need? We're going to talk about how we can help and do more and do things differently very soon right now we do want to hear about any successes anything you think people could scale up anything you think people should know about what another district another city might think about doing that you've seen actually succeed
3: please
17: Uh, hi everybody i'm lena hyde i am privileged to serve as the connected schools manager at elliott high middle school connected schools is based on the full service community school model nationwide um and I get to work with these ladies um so in elementary school kids are learning about what to eat and all of those things and they are guided by the adults and then in middle school they get a lot of autonomy Um, and so we have a full-service pantry that operates more like a grocery store we have a jingle that we sing when people leave that I will not make you all suffer through Um, but we have upwards of 30 kids every week coming through the pantry to take food home for their families Um, and staff, and community members, and things like that. And because of our partnership with the Capital Area Food Bank, thankfully, we're able to have that be very low barrier. Um, And then we supplement it through connected schools and through other funding streams to include hygiene products and household products that people really need, right? Like, it's great to cook food, but if you don't have dish soap, there is a challenge. Um, What we're seeing that's working is it is very very low barrier I just need your demographic info to make sure that the capital area food banks know who's knows who we're serving to make sure it gets back on the national level um, and with the cut in people's benefits this month for SNAP we are seeing an increase already and so making sure that at school before kids go home They can come in in a shame-free environment, in a pantry that looks more like a grocery store, that feels welcoming, it doesn't, you know, they get snacks, the the snacks that they get are not the healthiest, right? Like they get goldfish and they get Rice Krispies treats and they can choose when they shop as a thank you for shopping. Um, It gives kids the autonomy to shop and pick items that they know their family cooks with and to pick those items. And then we're implementing cooking classes now where we're folding in those pantry items to say, okay, so you got pasta from the pantry last week, what can you make from that? Um, And so I think for middle school, kids are developing their personality, right? Just developmentally, they're developing their personality. And so if we can help start shifting their personality to make those choices that are more beneficial to them, it really, really sets them up. Because they've got a lot of the knowledge in elementary school, a lot of the programming in DCPS guides them towards healthy eating. But they get to stop at the store on the way in in middle school because they're on their own. So I think that's one of the things that's working well is like very low barrier. Come on and shop for free um, and get what you need and what will help your family because kids also want to contribute to their families at this age. And so kids knowing that they can take something home in a way that doesn't feel like they're being shamed or like there's a stigma attached allows them to also contribute to their family in a meaningful way.
9: initiatives of the Food Research
5: and Action
9: Center. Um, Knowing that there are 81 full-service grocery stores in the district, one of the things that we're excited that the district actually does is makes people aware of multiple other ways in which um, district residents, families, individuals can purchase their groceries and non-food items that they need. And so there's such initiatives as um, the Healthy Corner Stores, which we um, are allowed to, fresh food is brought into those corner stores. So families and individuals can purchase the food items that they need. Um, Two of the other initiatives, more so on a policy perspective that the district has implemented, um, is our uh, Fresh Food Fund, um, as well as our Nourish DC collaborative. And that's an opportunity to bring um, food-based businesses into the district. And so it provides technical assistance, funding, business development, um, focusing on our most underserved areas in the district. So that increases grocery store access overall. Um, at our school age level, as well as our early care level, um, we're excited because we have the Healthy Tots Act, where federally, typically the CACFP, (Child Care centers, daycare homes, you get two meals and a snack. In the district with Healthy Tots Act, you get three full meals, um, as well as additional incentives for incorporating a local food component inside of your meal. And then all across the district, all students, regardless if you attend DC Public School or DC Public Charter School, or even participating in private schools, you all get free breakfast um, and so there's multiple different ways that we are making sure that we're meeting those healthy needs um, for our students as well as our families and soon hopefully we will have past universal school meals um, in the district so we're really excited that DC council has um, released that that legislation and so that means that regardless of income that students can show up at a school and if they're hungry they don't have to worry about having to show any sort of identifiable information Um, you can just simply purchase a meal at no cost and so we're really excited about the multiple touch points that are embedded into the district making sure that all of our students as well as our families um, and our individuals that live in the district are able to to purchase the grocery items that they need and that children can actually uh, enjoy school meals without having to worry about
10: take the right where you left off at the universal free meals um, so my name is lizette wells and i serve as a compliance manager for health and wellness um, at Ossie, the office of the state superintendent of education and we are really excited about the conversation uh, thinking about the work lift, but you know we're excited to continue the conversation about universal free meals um, for all of our DC students so we're excited to um, hopefully get that work underway um, i think one of the things also that we looked at um is one of the things that I lead in my work is a self-prep community of practice. So DC schools are very heavily vended um, and they don't necessarily have the opportunity to have fresh cooked meals because there's a vendor dropping off food in a warmer and it's making its way to the students. And so uh, we have about, out of 65 um, local educational agencies, we have about 10 that are actually full service scratch cooking. um, And within the DCPS 120 school portfolio, I think there are about maybe 10, if I'm wrong, correct me, Eight, eight so there are eight self-prep scratch cooking um, facilities there so our goal <coughs> is to work with SFA school food authorities that are looking to not only have efficient and sustainable self uh, um, scratch cooking in their schools but how can we uh, support other schools that want to begin that scratch cooking um, I think there's very uh, it's very different when you have the smell of food kind of walking through the hallway as opposed to uh, someone dropping off his meals, um, you know, in, into a warmer and being put out that way. So that's one of the things that we're doing to see how we can increase participation by having um, appetizing meals and foods that can be identified. Um, and even in that self-referential practice, we get together once a month and share challenges and share successes. Um, and one of the things that we talked about recently was looking at culturally demographic um, foods that students will recognize in their own culture. So. Um, just one of the things that we're doing to get schools to uh, do that scratch cooking and identify foods that students are able to um, enjoy so great to hear about i'm gonna have to touch base with you we're thinking about
4: moving the scratch cooking um, but my name is alexis lar i'm our senior manager of after school and summer meals at the capital area food bank where we operate about 60 cacfp and SFSP sites um, and a couple of things that have been working really well for us over the past year. Last year we implemented our first-ever summer meals outreach campaign, which I connected with LaMonica about, Um, and that was just, you know, a multi-touchpoint campaign, so we had a campaign landing page where we included every site, not just the food banks, across the DMV on an interactive map that clients could look at, we included a digital toolkit for our partner sites, we had, you know, media spots, we had um, uh, yard signs, and then it all culminated in three kickoff events, one in each region. So this was so important to us because we know the pandemic has had like such lasting economic effects and we really wanna make sure that everyone in the community is aware of the programs that we offer. So we expected to see you know, a big drop in our numbers with the rollback of the pandemic era waivers last year, but we actually saw most of our sites hold steady or increase slightly. So we're excited to move forward with the campaign again this year. And then we also actually just secured funding this week. We have a mobile summer meals bus that we have operated for the past few years, but we're going to move that to year round. And I think that just speaks to the benefit of CACFP and SMSP in that it can meet children where they are and we can go to them. For
1: those who don't know, the child and adult care feeding area. program, right? Okay. child and adult
4: care feeding program, summer food service program, after school and summer meals conversationally. Okay,
2: thank you for your leadership. That's amazing. Of all of you. I'd like to make the health connection in terms of the nutritional programs that, that you all are talking about. Nutrition is absolutely essential for good health. We were talking before, you know, good food, good health, and uh, and so many of the of the chronic diseases that we are struggling with in our country, including obesity, heart disease, uh, diabetes, cancer. A lot of them have their origins in terms of poor nutrition habits. Um, also, um, as a pediatrician and adolescent medicine doc I saw a lot of young people with eating disorders with disordered eating well you know the type of programs that you're talking about the uh, the program here the food fresh fresh program uh, farm fresh program but also many of the programs you're talking about they're building good nutrition habits that hopefully kids will take uh, on through their lifetime and then we can prevent these chronic diseases we're spending so much money working on different treatments for obesity, heart disease, diabetes, and more. But if we can prevent those illnesses, then we will have a much healthier nation. And when we came in, we we went to the cafeteria, and I want to give a shout out to the cafeteria workers. Uh, They they pour their heart and soul and love into the food that they're serving our children, Um, and, and the young people here, and the teachers, and the staff, and so they do a fantastic job. But right next door, we saw the the kids doing uh, physical ed. Um, And so that combination of nutrition, good nutrition, learning those good habits now, and physical education, physical activity will really build a healthier future for our nation.
1: Yeah, thank you. And I'm wondering if the Department of Health wants to talk about the produce prescription, uh, which is not oriented towards kids, but really builds that connection between uh, nutrition and health.
8: at at home um, to have access to fresh, healthy produce that can help you live uh, a healthy, active life. In the district, um, we're very lucky to have several different types of nutrition incentive programs. Um, Through our Healthy Corner Stores program, funding for folks to shop for fruits and vegetables at their grocery store. Um, Additionally, the the district has a local investment through the Produce Plus program that provides residents with $40 a month during the market season to shop for for fresh local produce at farmer's markets um, and actually managed by um, by the Fresh Farm team. Um, And we see that that these types of programs, not, not only do they provide
16: I'm sorry to do this. I do want to keep us on track. Uh, We should spend a little bit of time talking about kind of short-term challenges. Uh, What are some ways that we can kind of, you know, unlock resources, make things easier, either cut through some boundaries that you guys are running up against, or just kind of open new opportunities that you've been thinking about, hoping, you know, might find their time or their place. Just anything you think we could do, you know, this year, anything on the table, we really want to hear from
15: With formula shortage, I mean, you go. It got better, but you go to a store, you can only buy four cans of formula. I mean, we have six infant classrooms. How do I feed those uh, six infant classrooms with only four cans formula? So you know. Um, do I do? How, who can I connect? Uh, fresh farm, uh, common market. Hey, do we have apples, oranges? This is what I need. Even though I have to change my menu, you know, uh, partner with local vendors that could uh, provide me with food just to get out of the way and like serve the meal that we need to serve. We have our commercial kitchen. We're serve prep. Uh, we're in Columbia Road, uh, Columbia Heights area. We provide 3,000 meals a day. 5:30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, so yeah, partnership with local vendors uh, to provide goods. You know, in formula, it's been a really challenged year in labor sh- shortage as well.
4: That was a huge issue. I want to piggyback off that of the labor shortage, and also um, I also operate out-of-school-time programs. Something that we've really struggled with for after-school and summer meals is the non-rural congregate meal requirement. So of course, you know, these sites are an amazing meeting place for kids, but a lot of our sites are just experiencing severe staffing shortages. Um, And one of our sites in particular was previously able to serve 3,000 meals per week through a drive-through distribution that now that we're congregate, we're not in a rural area, they can't serve any of those kids anymore because they just do not have the staff. To supervise three thousand children, so it's really limiting our ability to reach more, and you know it's staff, it's staff limitations, and it's safety, and it's just the site's operational capacity. If we were able to have the meals taken off site, we'd be able to serve thousands more children easily.
11: DCPS and Robin Douglas Scholar, the Manager of Nutrition Compliance and Partnerships with our Food Nutrition Service within DCPS, um, and I would say something that could be done now. For us, we're serving almost 10 million meals a year, uh, and about 75 percent of our city we have under the community eligibility program or provision, um, which means those students eat for free. But we've got several schools that are on the edge. Um, and so I think for us, increasing that CEP multiplier, the qualifications for that could bring in more schools. Um, and the other challenge we find is the area eligibility for to run the child and the adult care food program and the summer food service program. We do run into those challenges, so we do have to get very, very creative t- in order to expand services into those schools because they'll be, we'll have pockets of we'll homeless shelters in areas that are very high income. So, you know, we, we yeah, again, very creative. We'd we'll love to see that expansionary eligibility um, and a change in the CEP multiplier rules, especially. So, thank you. I agree with with everyone. What
9: everyone has said so far. Um, range a little bit and talk about our older adults so in the district we have one of the highest rates of older adult hunger in the entire country and so um, not to uh, kind of dig the nail in the coffin so to speak but with the ending of the snap emergency allotment um, our older adults are um, have been really affected and are the, the age range that we are worried about most um, in the district when it comes to hunger so about 14 million dollars residents that are are affected by it and so um, we're working with our older adults many of them are on a fixed income um, and many of them are concerned with um, uh, the the loss of of their snap benefits one of the good things that we have here in the district is that unlike most other states we have a local benefit um, that snap participants automatically start off at $30 due to a snap expansion and so where other states might start off at a a lower rate district residents automatically start off at an increased 30 rate um, but our older adults are still um are still concerned um and at frac we have a term we call grand families and these are older adults or grandparents that are taking care of children and so this is where our children come in to this as well so if you have a grandparent or a grand family where the entire household is depending on snap if they're experiencing low income increase that minimum excuse me that minimum benefit amount that we can uh, we can increase there's not benefits to in a a post pandemic um, era
17: I would say being in a connected school we we have the benefit of serving as a hub for the community so a lot of schools are places where children come to learn and that's sort of the end of it Um, the purpose of a connected school and the community school model in general is that the school isn't in the community it is part of the community and it serves the community with place-based services and i think really pushing forward the idea that if every school i know there are 12 connected schools in dcps all of us have pantries and are working to expand that reach to the community the community members coming in most are older adults Um, and they're spreading the word to their friends because they don't have twitter so they don't see the flyer Um, but i think really Putting resources towards food banks and shelters, or towards food banks really, um, to get into schools where people come. Everybody that has a child at some point interfaces with a school. All of those children interface with the school. Um, having access to food and access to services in the school increases student attendance, it increases family welfare and well being. And so, one of the easiest ways that we've had to connect with our families is. Offering them items that they need at no cost, with no barrier, um, with the demographic information we already have, because they're part of the school community, has increased that support. But if we really look at what's the fastest way to get people food, there are schools on almost every corner in Washington D.C. and within a mile to two miles in most of the country of where people live, and so there are food deserts that exist, but there are schools before the grocery store. And if we can have community service pantries that serve the school and the surrounding community, it really opens up the access to food for the members of the community that still can be a part of that school. Because the reality is that everybody's tax dollars pay for schools. And so if we use it to support the entire community, it really builds the relationship between schools and communities as well. So
1: can you just take a minute to reflect? Um, You know, D.C. is such an amazing city, but it's also a city with a lot of challenges, and we have a lot of residents, as you point out, who are economically challenged, and one of the ways that expresses itself is through food hardship. Um, And uh, so, I mean, I just wanna reflect for a second. that That is why this administration is so committed, and you hear the president talk about what he always says, build the economy from the bottom up and the middle out, right, and what is that? What it means is uh, uh, making sure that we're putting government investments in places that relieve the stress on family budgets. So for seniors, capping the cost of insulin, right? So we're not choosing between food and medicine. Uh, First, uh, putting significant investment into childcare because we know we need uh, 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 to recruit uh, a well-paid, talented workforce uh, uh, to that space. Um, both for after school and uh, for childcare. It means um, uh, investing in CEP so that we uh, immediately scoop in nine million more children uh, to universal free and and address some of the issues that you're talking about here in DC where it's not perfectly calibrated to where poverty is and where uh, children need our help. Um, It means more health coverage through uh, uh, Medicaid uh, so that again uh, parents uh, who are sick uh, can go and see a doctor without um, uh, that costing a lot of money for them, which might put squeeze on their food budget. And also it means investing in job training so that we're connecting uh, workers to uh, openings where uh, skills are needed. So that, we that we don't have an answer I think for you because uh, this is the budget the president presented and we need Congress to pass it and, and we're a ways away from that. Uh, but I want you to understand that um, I, I think investments in food matter, but it's also hunger and uh, and then ultimately the nutrition deficits that come from not being able to access good food. Or I call them downstream problems. Right? They come from uh, jobs that don't pay well enough, lack of paid leave, unaffordable childcare and housing, and uh, that's really where this administration is going to try and tackle. Uh, is is an, if it's it's uh, solving the problems before they result uh, in. Hardship. So, um, and in some of these issues you raised, let's stay, take a minute uh, and stay afterwards because I think we can connect you with some resources to help. But, Admiral,
2: Well, I, I wanted you to, just to build upon the fantastic comments that you make is to introduce a term called the social determinants of health. And those are the, the, the social factors, as you were describing, that influence health. And we don't think of them when we think about um, uh, medicine or we think about doctors or hospitals. And so everything that you mentioned to me is a health issue. So to me, the USDA is a, is a type of health department. The Commerce Department, for, a, for in terms of a living wage and economic opportunity, that influences health. Uh, the Department of Education, educational opportunity, is a health issue because we know that better education, you have better health. Better, um, uh, uh, better jobs, you have better health. Better nutrition, you have better health. A better environment, you have better health. Better transportation. You have better health, housing, so HUD, so all of these really influence health, and that there are these social factors or these social determinants that influence health. And so I think going upstream is exactly the issue. Is that if we really want to improve the health of our nation, the health and well-being of our nation, we have to go upstream, as, as exactly you said, to deal with these social determinants of health, and that that is really the basis behind. Um, uh, the, the Biden, Biden administration's budget and its its priorities. And our vision. And, and vision. You're yeah. exactly right.
1: The
0: influence of eating healthy food um, on children and on families is very important. It shows that um, the healthy food is good. It's delicious. It's also good for your body and um, your health. And um, I um Like, some days when I'm walking on the second floor, I can smell the food from a different class making food prints, and um, I say to myself, I'm so happy that um, our school has food prints so um, we can influence to uh, children um, how good it is to eat a good, healthy food. I agree with David. Whenever I am on the second floor, Prints. I know that they are learning healthy habits, and that's just that's one of the greatest things about just being in food prints or having a school with food prints. And I know that when you're with your family and you're eating healthy food, that it's a way to help you eat healthier foods because it's more convincing that it's good. Not that it's something that you need to convince someone else. But some people just don't have good eating habits. And that is something that is, it needs to be changed.
18: Um. I'd love to chime in. I'm not sure I'll say it any better than that. But (laughs) I'm Satchel Kaplan. I'm Chief of Staff with Chef Jose Andres. Um, And it's a concept that we talk about in terms of longer tables. And I think, you know, last time we were in this space was the day after the White House conference, there was a stakeholder our relationship with Watkins and the Teaching Kitchen actually goes back to helping uh, launch and fund the GoFundMe that created this this space. Um, but I think the the key here is that the longer tables are not just for you know room for enough students, room for their families. It's room for members of the community. It's room for you know the people who are involved in preparing and growing and producing that food and bringing it to us, and then uh, the people whose job it is to take what happens at that table and and bring it you know we're in Washington, but bring it to Washington and think about how we can make that change resonate throughout our country. I think we see food connected in so many ways, locally, nationally, and internationally in the work that we do. Um, And we see it as being more than just uh, calories. We see it more than just health. We see it as being an economy that works for everybody. We see it as being dignity of people involved uh, in food from start to finish. We see the connection that food has to build resilient communities. Uh, which is why we'd love to see, uh, you know, the Footprints program in every school, all over the place. Because we end up doing work in schools in the most difficult of circumstances, right after natural disasters. And when we have, you know, facilities for scratch cooking, when we have schools that are uh, really uh, connected hubs for their community, we, we see that people can recover faster and regain that sense of community while while getting a, a nourishing, dignified meal. And so, you know, I think I think to be here today and figure out how we can get work towards you know, getting a, a food prints in every single school in the country, and this attitude of having food be at the center of solving so many of these challenges that we face it is for us the most important. Well,
2: we'd like to work
18: with you on that, yeah. so we had some <laughs>
2: discussions, so we're going to be in contact with, with you and Chef Andre. Uh, we'd like to certainly thank Chef Andre for his participation in the White House Conference on hunger, nutrition, and health. He's also the co-chair of the President's Council on Sports, Exercise, and Nutrition. Uh, and so we'd love to part- partner with you on, on all of these different issues. I do wanna highlight that on March 24th, the White House will be hosting a live stream event to continue to work the work on the conference. Um, and we'll have some uh, more uh, more information about that, but it's gonna be next Friday, and there'll be a live stream uh, follow-up to that conference. And we're gonna be in touch with you and Stefan. <laughs>
16: This part of the conversation is going to be a little bit more about bigger picture, longer term. How can we all work together better, differently? Not just in you know kind of the next six to twelve months, not just in one budget cycle. Kind of what would a better sort of nutrition, food, policy structure look like? I would,
12: I, I would say I um, I grew up on a background but also now raising urban kids who if they didn't have me telling them so milk does not come from the store so building you know undersecretary in your position building the connection between producers that secretary Vilsack deals with it on a daily basis with all of the programs and people that you get to deal with um, to address hunger and nutrition building that connection you know as, as a farmer out in the midwest they don't They don't understand the challenges that we face here in an urban setting because out there it's plentiful. You know, you can have a garden that's two acres large and not even think about all of the food waste that's happening. Um, So making that connection between, which we're getting here at Food Prince because we've got the garden right outside. And so we have that advantage, but on a bigger scale, I mean, it's it's mammoth scale to connect the people who are growing the food for our country of the people in the urban areas that don't have that access um, i think would make a significant difference well i completely agree and i think
1: we should recruit you because uh, <laughs> uh that's exactly what we're aiming to do right uh, building a deeper understanding of where our food comes from and of course valuing the people who are growing it uh tr- transporting and processing it and, and uh, preparing it right there's uh, uh that's a, a daily task for us but uh maybe you can
18: mm-hmm. come on
1: over and help us out I would say I, I have worked in the policy world and the direct services
17: world. I'm a social worker, right? So, like, I nerd out on both sides. Um, policy tends to happen in a policy bubble. And oftentimes on the ground, it is implemented differently. And so having a conversation like this, where people that are doing the work on the ground every day can say, hey, this policy that sounds really good on paper is actually really harmful, um, moves that work forward in ways that ensures that people are not lost in the process right because policy for what it is is often theoretical right a budget is all theory until it hits the ground and so I think including people that are working directly on the ground to say what what do you need in a pantry to make it work oh we need a refrigerator right oh how how do we get a refrigerator in your pantry to make it work Um, and including funding for things like that and figuring out on the ground what makes the difference because in the school that i work in we're in a unique opportunity where we have a pto we have parents who come in and support but most connected schools the other 11 don't have full service ptos and so the benefits that they can offer their pantry is significantly different because they have to build a volunteer base and they have to build a basis of community support and go out and find funding that they couldn't otherwise find and so i think having policy decisions made with people that do that work on the ground helps to ensure that the policy once it moves through those channels is the most effective that it can possibly be because a lot of times we send policy through and then it hits the ground and people are like oh no wait we can't actually use any of those funds right like that's not what we that wasn't the thing right and so I think making sure that everybody in the conversation it really is upstream and downstream. that all of those people are in the conversation and that there are some of those checks and balances before big time decisions are made or in that process to make sure that like once food hits kids' mouths, it is the most effective and that funds, policy ultimately is funding most of the time, that funds go to where they need to be most effectively used all the time.
11: Yeah, as as a dietitian who's worked almost 20 years across the life cycle, I see one common theme. You know, having been in hospitals, working in schools, um, and long-term care centers, food, healthy food is offered, but our end user doesn't know what to do with it. They haven't been exposed to it, they don't understand where it comes from. So I completely agree, you know, it's that sort of the food education portion. We've got nutrition education down. Carrots are good for your eyes. Okay. Well, why are they orange? How, what's the story behind that, right? Um, so. Exposing everybody to these foods, learning how to cook with them, making that connection, growing them in the ground, prepping those recipes, and then seeing it in the food that's offered to them, which is you know our job here at DCPS to feed everyone. That seems to be the strongest connection, right? And then when you're serving them, knowing that you've had the food, the students know you know when the person behind the line is like we tasted this, we made this today. It's really good. That's powerful. So knowing what you're, you're serving and knowing where it's coming from, I think that you know that tells a big story and that definitely helps to increase our, all the social determinants of health that we've been talking about <laughs> this morning.
13: Um, to, to piggyback off that, uh, I think it definitely helps to know where the foods came from because I have a lot of extended family that live in the country. So every time I go and visit, I sort of, we went to like a blueberry farm to go pick blueberries, we picked blackberries. And I think just being around that as a kid and growing up, being able to make stuff with that, has definitely changed my perspective on food, where it comes from. And I think teaching that to kids at a young age can help influence them for the rest of their lives.
16: I did actually want to call on you next. Please go
0: ahead. I would like to say that I agree that when people don't really know where their food comes from, they're kind of like, "Eh, is this kind of sketchy? Because they don't know what it is. So I would like to say maybe more community gardens around D.C., not just around D.C., but around the country. And more, I would say that people like Ms. Thompson, who grew up on the farm, would be very good volunteers. <laughs> <laughs>
1: more employees. Can I make <laughs> a suggestion just for So we, we actually have a garden at USDA. Uh, it's called the People's Garden. And maybe we could arrange for you all to come visit uh, and.
5: For a commute, um, I'm a community food educator over in Ward And so I assist in the classroom with the food print program. And I love, love the food print program. My my children started with the food print program, and they are now adults. So that's how far back we go. Mm-hmm. Um, and Brussels sprouts is still, like, the most important thing on our table because that love came out of food prints. But um, over at the school that I'm at in Southeast, I do on Wednesdays, I prepare a food print recipe and I offer a tasting to the parents of pickup. And it's always, it's something in season. It's something that most likely they have not had. This week we had spaghetti squash topped with tomatoes. So it's a very simplistic recipe. Parents have gotten during the pandemic when um, the um, Capillary Food Bank was handing out dozens and dozens of poultry uh, produce bags, families were throwing squashes in the trash because they didn't know what to do with them. So, my role at Simon is to really take those, quote unquote, foreign items to several families and offer you a suggestion with a, a, a sample, with a recipe and other suggestions on how you can just add this into your lifestyle and it basically, it's an normally requires an oven or um, a cookie sheet or a pot of boiling water but just to show them in the most simplistic term of what to do with these items. So this gets back to when we offer items to people and you don't offer any instructions along with them, it's it's like you're not offering them anything. So that's what I wanted to say.
10: I just wanted to make one last bug, one shameless bug, um, and a lot of (laughs) you appreciate this. So a lot of states are really working to implement universal free meals and they are bumping up against legislation and all types of different barriers to that. So the one thing I answer in the question is to look at the opportunity at a federal level for universal free meals.
11: And universal free meals, um, from an operator's perspective, that frees up some of our time to work on these community efforts, right? Because it's all ties together. That's the one, the common theme I've heard today is community, communal tables, you know, community in the cafeteria. If you have a breakfast in the classroom program, that's a community experience when you're eating and making, you know, connections, ties with your classmates. Community where the food comes from. Community to provide the pantries and the connect, you know, in our connected schools and our communities and schools. So I think, you know, that's something that, as the, as the food op- nutrition operators, that we, we love to dive more into, but we're caught up in the paperwork and the legislation and the regulations, um, so we make do
9: for early childhood nutrition. So I have a background um, in food procurement, no less, Um, working for a state agency where I oversaw all the procurement for the child and adult food care program as well as the summer food service program. And so really taking some extra special attention on what I call our littlest eaters, um, our two, our three-year-olds, introducing them to those foods. Um, I had an opportunity, this was when I was in Georgia, um, working with an early childcare center where they introduce the children to mouse melons. I don't know if anyone knows what a mouse melon is. It looks like a watermelon, but it is the size of a grape. Um, and it's those incentives and those introductions at an early care age, as we're prepping children for K-12 that are essential to their overall health and wellness. And so um, having programs such as Farm to Early Care and Education, which introduce at an early care level, the importance of school gardens, um, food procurement, so where does our food come from, who grows it, introductions to farmers, but not just focusing on the school age, but also on the early childhood level, and those other social determinants of health that are a big factor when we're talking about early care. So some intentional investments and efforts into building up our child and adult food care program, as well as just overall early child health our early childhood health and wellness in general
2: So WIC is through USDA, but I'm a pediatrician, and so I know about WIC very well. And also when I was the Secretary of Health of Pennsylvania, WIC was actually in my department. So the Women's Infants and Children's Nutrition Program uh, really uh, uh, is a perfect example of how critically important that is. Uh, WIC is in all 50 states. It's in uh, territories. It's in the District of Columbia. It's on Indian reservations. And uh, WIC is absolutely critically important. What could be more important than nutrition for pregnant women babies, and children.
9: And the district is fully EWIC compliant, yes. right. so there are no more yeah, paper checks either. in the district. So, <laughs> so we're, we're really, well. really excited <laughs> Talk about, about reducing sticks.
17: Yeah. Yeah. As stigma. somebody who was a WIC mom with paper checks when yeah. my daughter yeah. was an infant, and I always made sure that I had everything on the belt perfect so that I didn't get yelled at by the customers behind me, um, I think it speaks to the need for universal pre-K. It speaks to the need for the way that we have uh, Produce Rx, that in dcps they have a cornerstone for eighth graders where in health class they cook a meal which is great but it's like a one-time thing and i think i learned so much about cooking in like family and consumer science in middle school but so many kids just don't have access to that Um, and really bringing in nutritional pieces and food preparation along with what is food right and so in elementary school, that food prints exist in every elementary school in a universal way, sets them up in elementary school. And then in middle schools, making sure that every kid has access to learn how to prepare those foods that they had access to, right? That they're still working on chopping skills, that they're still working on grading skills, and that they know how to sear, and they know how to fry, and they know what those terms are, because kids walk out of school with absolutely no idea of how to prepare food other than a microwave. Um.
1: Um, everything is connected uh, everything to is good connected. health. Uh, I, I, saw, I saw you expanding your job portfolio yeah. a little bit there <laughs> earlier today. So. But also, um, food is food is really everything, right? It's family, it's culture, it's community, it's health. I'm stealing from Jose Andres here. Food is peace. Um, and uh, uh, food is really, uh, uh, in you all, it's a big part of our future. So um, I'm just, I'm delighted. We're Absolutely.
2: Thank you so much. What a great event. Thank you all very much. And that concludes. <laughs> Thank you all for yeah. We